Hello everyone, my name is Lene Stevens and I am here on the Ohio Agronomy Roundup with Christian Krupke and he is a professor at Purdue University specializing in entomology. Thank you for coming to the podcast today. You're welcome, thanks for having me. So let's dive in a little bit um, about yourself. So tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what your role all entails as an entomologist at the University of Purdue. Well, here at Purdue, I uh, work primarily in corn and soybean pest management, insect pest management. And uh, a lot of that has to do in, in corn, a lot of that has to do with working with, in uh, BT corn systems um, and assessing how they work and, and why they work and, and how insects respond to some of the pest management uh, approaches that we put out there against them. Because we know that insects have and will continue to adapt to whatever we try. So resistance management is a big focus um, we also know that um, when we apply pesticides to any crop, including corn or soybeans, we can have some unintended consequences. There are a lot of beneficial insects and other organisms out there that are sensitive to pesticides. So that's always the tightrope we have to walk between safeguarding the food supply and uh, maintaining quality water and soil and, uh, and environment in general. Great, great. And I guess this winter was kind of interesting. We would have periods where it was warmer and then periods where it was extremely cold here in uh, the Northeast Corn Belt region. So could you give us a recap on environmental conditions during the winter and going into the spring of 2020 and how it's affected us in an entomology standpoint in Indiana and Ohio with row crops? Sure. Uh, on the on the weather side, um, during the winter is when I do most of my most of my speaking at events uh, around Indiana and elsewhere, mostly in the Midwest. And the common question I get will be, "Oh, you know, it's been very harsh winter. It's been very cold, or it's been mild, or whatever the winter has been." And people wonder how will that affect insect populations and. The short answer is it usually doesn't affect them very much. Most of our insect pests, um, almost all of the ones that we deal with habitually, have been here uh, in uh, North America either for uh, centuries in some cases or for at least for several decades uh, as, as agriculture was became widespread throughout North America. So most winters fall into that average zone, including last winter. So pest populations aren't impacted too much by winter temperatures. You have to get real anomalies in temperature to have those effects. Now, where you could have an exception to that is if you get a, a longer warming trend, let's say in February, you get a few days in a row of unseasonably warm temperatures followed by extreme cold, which of course does happen uh, from time to time. That can cause the insects to break their diapause, to break their winter hibernation, so to speak. And then if they're plunged back into cold, then you can get some mortality. But for most of our established insects, uh, winter temperatures don't have a large effect at a population level. I understand. So um, 
because we are rolling into mid-July, uh, there's a lot of different things going on when it comes to pollination and uh, grain fill potential within corn and soybeans. Uh, what should growers be scouting for in their fields when it comes to a pest management standpoint? Well, as, as, as you said, we're in midsummer, and the, the key period, of course, for the crop uh, is early in the year. And, and when you have that cool, wet soil, that's when you can have some real problems with some insect pests and, and also with slugs, uh, of course, that aren't insects. In midsummer, there are still some threats, although this we usually look at as the period um, that's relatively calm in terms of insect pressure. Uh, but having said that, there are a couple that we look for now. The big one uh, would probably be the western corn rootworm, uh, which is our, our main uh, underground pest of corn. This is the time of year when you would start seeing uh, the damage from that pest. And the way you would usually see it is after a rain and after thunderstorms in particular that have uh, high winds, you would see lodged corn. And corn, of course, lodges for many reasons, um, but one of them is when the rootworms have been feeding, they reduce the root system so that plant isn't anchored as well as it would be ordinarily, and it flops over. And, of course, they'll straighten up, but it makes it much more difficult at harvest time because now you don't have these nice discrete rows anymore. You have corn leaning over and, and so on. So the way to confirm that, uh, there is only one way, and that involves digging up that plant and washing that root system off thoroughly and seeing if the roots are chewed up. Uh, at this time of year, we're talking in mid-July, you'll actually see, uh, if you wash those roots off in, a say, a five-gallon bucket of water, you'll see the larvae floating up to the surface and squirming around because they're still feeding now. Uh, in another couple of weeks, they will have pupated and, and be becoming adults, so they won't be there. Once you wash that root off, though, that you can take a close look at those roots and you'll see that they've been, they look exactly like what's happened, like they've been chewed off, uh, they're blackened at the tips, they're ragged looking, and the root system is just far reduced from what you would expect from a healthy corn plant. And that's because of the feeding of the larva. And it will be most apparent in crop, in BT, in non-BT corn. So in hybrids that don't have rootworm protection, um, and, and don't have an in-furrow insecticide applied to protect the root system. But we're just getting some reports of that in conventional unprotected corn in Indiana. So now would be the time to look for that. Um, just because you have root damage doesn't mean you're going to have yield loss because the corn plants are very durable and can grow back. They do grow roots back, but if you have periods of drought stress, which we had a couple of weeks ago in much of the Midwest, then that reduced root system really is hard to grow back. And what little water is there, the plant can't efficiently access. That's when you get yield loss, uh, when you have conditions that are unfavorable for root regrowth and uh, you have drier conditions. And of course, lodging has impacts on, on yield and harvestability of the corn as well. But that's the pest to look for now, particularly in those uh, plants that are vulnerable, as I said, that are not, not equipped with the BT corn uh, events that target rootworms. I see. So um, within the agricultural industry, I think it's very easy just to highlight insects 
um, such as corn rootworm that cause yield loss for growers on their operations. Um, but there are several beneficial insects across the Indiana, Ohio region. Uh, what are they and how can growers help these insects and pollinators? Yeah, it's a, it's a long list uh, of insects. <laughs> and if, if you're in my line of work, you, um, you see them, they're more apparent to you because your, your eye is kind of trained to see them. But anybody, if they want to go out and corner soybeans and in soybeans, you can take a sweep net and sweep your way along and you'll see um, ladybird beetles that feed on uh, aphids and that feed on a variety of other pest insects. You'll see larvae of surfid flies that feed on aphids as well in, uh, in uh, soybeans. In corn and soybeans on the ground, and this is mostly going to be found at night, you'll see carabid beetles, which are usually dark brown or black in color, and they just run along the ground and more or less anything they run into that they can eat, they will eat it. Uh, and that includes slugs. It includes other insects. It includes many caterpillar species. Um, spiders are probably the number one uh, predator uh, or general predator that we see in a lot of um, uh, corn and soybean fields. Um, and all of these, and there are more, I could, I could uh, you know, list dozens of insects, but the, the point here is that all of these are eating something. Uh, sometimes they're eating each other. Sometimes they're eating other beneficial insects, but they're often also feeding on predator, on prey insects that are pests, that are herbivores and feeding on corn and soybeans. So that's why we always try to stress, if you don't have a pest population that's over threshold, if you don't see damage to the leaves that's in excess of a defoliation threshold, for example, if you have no reason to suspect that anything in terms of an insect pest pressure is going to be impacting the corn ear itself, then there's no need for an insecticide, um, just quote unquote, just in case, because um, you won't usually realize any benefit from a pest management approach if there are no pests present. On the downside, you will kill all of those uh, insects and spiders that I just named. The general rule is that beneficial insects, uh, parasites, predators, spiders, things like that are more susceptible to insecticides than the pests are. So if you're going to kill anything out there, you're going to kill these more susceptible insects that just haven't developed resistance and don't have the, the genetic architecture to even be resistant in some cases in the case of honeybees to be resistant to a lot of these insecticides so that's always something to consider although insecticides are cheap they're easy to apply it can be very tempting uh, as an insurance approach but in many cases there's there's nothing there in terms of a treatable pest population so we always advise caution, and, and I understand that in some cases it's, it is very tempting, as I said, but I think if producers uh, and consultants enter the field, those that do, they have, they have more of an appreciation for the many insects that will reside there and feed on the pests, and, and those populations will carry over year to year. They'll get stronger, and you can think of it almost as a, as a you know, security guard of a sort that uh, – prevents pest populations from getting too comfortable and too established if you have more of those beneficial insects and spiders and parasites out in the field. Well, great. If, if listeners have um, 
any any questions or they want to learn more about role, the role of entomology and how it ties into their farming practices, uh, where can they look for more information? Well, there, there are a variety of resources, and, and depending on where people are listening, uh, I always advise them to first turn to their county extension service because that, that'll be the uh, individuals that know that um, area best and know the constraints of farming in that area. Uh, after that, there are abundant resources on the web from Purdue University and others that will describe uh, the life history of the insects, what the damage looks like, what the control measures are and so forth, what the economic thresholds are. Um, and certainly reaching out to somebody like me, uh, I'm at Purdue University, but there are other I have counterparts in all throughout the Midwest that work in these cropping systems. And we'd be happy to help out. That's, that's a part of the job that uh, we enjoy doing. We like hearing from the public and like getting interesting and, and sometimes puzzling questions that we can sort of mull through with, uh, with producers and consultants and, and homeowners and so on and figure out what's eating your plant or w whether this insect that you found is a, is a pest or a beneficial. So there are lots of options out there uh, in terms of getting, getting the assistance that you need and getting information. Well, great. And thank you again, Christian. Uh, I really appreciate your time. And we all do here at the Ohio Agronomy Roundup. And uh, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you soon.